Blog Talk Radio. Minions, welcome to the balance. We do this thing called the balance every Saturday morning, right here on the Balance Radio Network, all across the United States. And if you're listening to us on our podcast, thank you so much for downloading and and make sure you hit a a five star there and give us a great review. Tell us how awesome we are. Well, we we may not know who the president is, but we do know that we have a full weekend of sports ahead and some great games to talk about. We're going to be kicking things off with college football Saturday uh, with Rick Riggins, Scott Lamb, and uh, Ohio State Buckeye super fan Adam Jividen, all going to be bringing in their two cents worth of our games of the week. And we've got some Big Ten games to talk about. We've got some ACC games to talk about. We've got some SEC games to talk about. We've got some spreads to cover, so we've got a lot to get to in this second hour. Tony Donahue and Steve Wilson, Steve Wilson, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, Tony Donahue from the Tony D Podcast, joins us and now breaking this down as we have one week left before we go into the championship week with NASCAR out in Phoenix in the desert before we head down to Homestead, Miami. And then uh, at the bottom of the hour, we've got Ed Kratz, whose Eagles is on the bye, but he's going to be joining us from the beach Uh here along the Jersey Shores and uh, talking with us about uh, the Eagles and the NFL as we roll right along. My name is Tom Marcus El Presidente. Stick around. It's about to get good right here on the Balance Radio Network. Hi, this is a good one, kind of groove. Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. Okay, okay. 
can't believe it. I've been playing four on four with a barbershop quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. Morning face. You get is when you don't sleep well. This is what happened to Linda. Morning, guys. Good morning. Ah, what is that thing? It's me, Linda. Oh, my God, it talks. Run! No, it's me, Linda, from HR. It looks hungry. Save the children. Save them. Stay back. I've got mace. Ow, they're my eyes. We're moving. It's called beauty sleep for a reason. And there's never been a better time to get some. Get 20% off IKEA salt and mattresses. IKEA. Love your home. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The Move Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache. Challenge yourself to move and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health. Joining us now, though, Scott Lamb, 
our uh, college football extraordinaire, Rick Riggin and Adam Jividin. Scott, how is you? Happy Saturday. Hey, happy Saturday. Tom. Good morning. How's you doing? Good. Are you able to wear a beard yet? Oh, yeah. I've had it for a couple weeks. All right, all right, all right. Rick Riggin calling us from down in Evansville, Indiana. Our Notre Dame super fan and college football extraordinaire. extraordinaire. Rick, how are you, sir? I am talking to the man who earned his 270 electoral votes on election night to earn the title El Presidente. The debauchery right. episode. Tom, good morning. Debauchery, debauchery. <laughs> I wish I could have got that got that downloaded. That's an inside joke from last night, but uh, I could not pronounce the word. We'll just leave it at that. Adam Jividen, super uh, Buckeye fan, super Brown fan, an all-around great guy. Adam, how are you, sir? I'm doing good, Tom. How are you, sir? Ready to rock and roll. Well, let's just dive in this. We, we, we got, we're going to get to some Big Ten football here in just a minute to talk. Uh, obviously, uh, for the first time in a long time, late times I can remember, uh, in a long time, I should say that that uh, IU's been in the top 25. So we're going to get into that. Obviously, Ohio State as well. So, but first, let's kick things off with you, Rick. Notre Dame and Clemson, and well, we, there, there's no elephant in the room to talk about with this game. Uh, but w- let's 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 break this down this game and and how this game should play off uh, in some of the keys uh, to a Notre Dame victory versus. Well, uh, really, this game is a lose-lose for Notre Dame, right? Because if they win, it's because Clemson didn't have Trevor Lawrence. If they lose, Notre Dame's uh, playoffs hopes are pretty much uh, gone because if they end up playing again in the ACC championship game, Clemson by that time should have Trevor Lawrence. So uh, it's really a lose-lose a for Notre Dame. Well, the last I saw, uh, Clemson is not playing Trevor Lawrence. So to make sure that that's true. Uh, Scott, what are your thoughts on this? I haven't seen on this game, uh, but uh, certainly you got to you got to think that this is going to be a game for both teams. And as Rich, Rick just uh, pointed out, uh, that uh, you know without Trevor Lawrence, they've got a pretty good chance of winning. Well, you know, there's still that still doesn't guarantee them a playoff spot, um, and so you, you got to worry about the the whole Trevor Lawrence factor in this game. Go ahead, Scott. Yeah, I mean, missing Trevor Lawrence is going to hurt Clemson, but I don't think it's going to hurt him enough that it's got as big of an impact as we all think. Uh, Clemson still has their their uh, their future starter uh, in in the wings in the waiting. Uh, he'll he'll be playing. I think this is going to be a defensive game. But for both teams, it doesn't really matter who loses this game. They're both going to be in the ACC championship game. Miami is the only other team in the conference that has one loss, and they didn't look good last night against NC State. So I don't think there's as much weight in this game as everyone expects. Uh, for college for college playoff hopes, it's going to come down to the ACC championship game regardless. So uh, who's your pick there, Scott? I'm going to take Clemson in this game, but I think it's going to be a defensive matchup. But I don't think that Notre Dame is going to be able to move the ball as easily against that Clemson defense, and I think that's going to be the deciding factor in this game. And, Rick, we can only assume that you pick Notre Dame in this game. Yeah, uh, I mean, just to piggyback off what Scott said, though, there's a lot of weight in this game, and all the weight is on Notre Dame's shoulders because Clemson knows they're getting Trevor Lawrence back, and the playoff committee is going to judge this game based off that. So all the pressure here and all the weight is on Notre Dame. So they're, if 
they're fighting for their playoff lives today. And if they want to still be in the talks, they're going to have to uh, uh, win this game. I'm picking Notre Dame. I'm picking Notre Dame close. I think the spread's five and a half uh, in favor of Clemson. I think Notre Dame gets it done by a touchdown. <clears throat> Adam Jimenez, Notre Dame, a big ACC matchup against Clemson with Trevor Lawrence. Uh, what are your thoughts on this game? Uh, you know, I, I, I think with – with Notre Dame, it gives them a chance to kind of lock down that fourth spot no matter what. I don't think that I – and mean, the Big 12 is essentially already eliminated, uh, and I can't imagine a scenario where a Pac-12 team goes undefeated or plays enough games that they're going to get that fourth playoff spot. And I think the SEC is going to knock themselves out um, fairly in fairly short order because you're going to have Georgia – uh, and Florida play today, giving one of those teams two losses, and then the other, and then the winner of that, that game is going to lose the SEC in the SEC championship game to Alabama. So if Notre Dame can pull off the win, I think it does lock down that fourth playoff spot. Um, and and if Notre Dame wins, then it would probably be either Ohio State or Alabama at that number one spot. If uh, if Notre Dame loses, I think two good losses where your only losses to Clemson still gets you in. Um, and then they would probably, I couldn't imagine, play Clemson for a third time in the playoffs. So, uh, go ahead with your pick, then. I'm going to take, you know, last week we saw Boston College gave Clemson all kinds of fits. And I, I know that Clemson is playing their new their new starter, I believe I've got his name right. It's DJ Wigalele. I think that's right. I'm not saying that. The longer it's good, yeah. It's it's pretty close. (laughs) Good. Um, But uh, I I think this is going to be a game where he makes some some freshman mistakes. Uh, I I think we're going to see Notre Dame's linebackers be all over the field. Um, We're seeing. Um, in early draft projections, uh, we're seeing, um, you know, Jeremiah uh, Cormosu, uh, he's highly projected, like high mid-first-round pick. I think they're going to play well enough to make Clemson make mistakes. This is the thing is Clemson is not just young at the quarterback position. They're young everywhere except at running back. Um, where they've got Travis right. ATN, and even then, ATN made some mistakes last week. So I, I think yeah, yeah, a big fumble last week. Yeah, on, on the one. So I mean, I right. think you're going to see. I think we're going to see Notre Dame just key in on ATN and say, "Can this freshman quarterback beat us?" And I think he's he's good. I'm not saying he's not good, but he's not Trevor Lawrence or Justin Fields or one of these other guys where. Notre Dame's going to be all keyed up. They're going to know what to do. I've been incredibly impressed with how Tommy Reese has called games uh, offensively. Um, they took some time to build confidence in the system, and then I think these last few weeks they've looked really good. Um, so I, I've got Notre Dame winning the game, cementing their spot in the playoff, win or lose in the ACC championship game, and then – and then it does set them up for a shocker that if they can pull off the ACC championship game as well to even move up to the two, one or two slot. So you got Notre Dame in this game, Adams? I've got Notre Dame in a close game by, I will say that they hold on uh, with a four. 
For a change, those weren't my dogs. <laughs> well, guys, here's, here's the thing about Notre Dame. Certainly, they, they they have an impeccable record this week, this year, and a lot of a lot of good things have been going their way. And, and if Notre Dame runs the ball effectively as as they have done since 2020, the Irish will upset Clemson. And if they don't, they will not. And, and it won't even be all that close in defeat. Uh, effectively for the Irish, they have to you know they have to control all like they've done 61% of the time. Uh, really a remarkable 66% of the time on third third down and fourth. So if they can keep that momentum up, I think they certainly will do that. So so for that, I'm going to go with Notre Dame somewhere around a 27-24 uh, game. So it looks like the only anomaly... Tom, Tom is- you nailed it, buddy. You actually nailed this one. Uh, their defense has been stellar, and you hit on the head with the running game. If they can run the ball against Clemson, because Notre Dame's offensive line is really good, uh, if they can run the ball and manage to clock, maybe play a little bit of academy football, maybe keep the uh, uh, limit Clements' possessions in, in a way by running the ball, then Notre Dame wins this game because Ian Book limits them a little bit, you know. So they're going to have to run the ball. Tom, you nailed it. So, guys, we may not know who is going to be the next president of the United States, no matter what the media says, the election is not over. But we do know who's going to be the next senator to Alabama. Does anybody know who that is? Tommy Tommy Tuberville. Tommy Tuberville, former coach Tommy Tuberville. Let's go around and and let's see what are your thoughts on, uh, Scott, on, on Tommy getting elected to the Alabama Senate. Obviously, Republican, big Trump supporter, helping uh, the Republicans control the Senate. Uh, but how do you think he's going to trans, uh, or maybe use life experiences from being a coach and getting people to work together as a team? Uh, how do you think that's going to translate to a political career, Scott? Well, I, I think the better question is how many Crimson Tide voters voted for him? hundred percent of them. No. <laughs> I think somebody needs to look up his uh, coaching record because for some reason I feel like it's not a winning record. I mean, he bounced around job to job to job to job. Yeah. Uh, I hope his political career goes a little better than that. Well, we know he's we know he's a diehard Trump supporter. Uh, so, uh, Adam, what are your thoughts? Tommy Tuberville getting elected to the U.S. Senate from Alabama. Uh, we we've actually seen recently several football players or coaches get involved in the political scene. I think football is one of those sports where it brings so many people together from so many different walks of life that it really sets you well up for a future, you know, in the public arena. Um, the, the, one of the best examples of that is we have a uh, former Ohio state and Indianapolis Colts receiver, Anthony Gonzalez um, has been in politics in the state of Ohio now for, he just won his second term. Um, in the house. Uh, he's a, uh, he's very well-spoken. Um, and, and, and I think that he, he pointed to the fact that, um, that football and, and being a captain at Ohio state helped prepare him for what it takes to, to know how to lead people with a service-based mindset. Uh, so I, I think, you know, I, I think, I think the game, the game of football translates better than almost anything else because of the volume of people that are involved, um, on a on a in, on game day and, and, and across everything else, um, you know there was a joke going around in Ohio for a long time of prior to uh, Jim Trussell leaving Ohio State is would he uh, you know run for the Senate or run for the governor because you know if I, if I lived back in Ohio I would have voted for him. <laughs> so, yeah, I think I think uh, I I definitely think a football career 
lends itself for what politics requires. Well, you know, a lot of people have been talking for years now about Peyton Manning making a run for the Congress or the Senate, and I know he seriously considered it. Uh, I don't know if that's going to change anytime soon, but uh, I, I know that that is something that um, he's talked about. So let's, uh, let's go into the SEC today. We got Florida uh, versus uh, Georgia. Georgia three and one. I mean, uh, Florida three and one. Uh, ranked number eight, number five, the Georgia Bulldogs. Scott, let's start with you on the breakdown. Oh, this, this is going to be an exciting matchup. It, other than Clemson Notre Dame, it, this could be the game of the week if that other game wasn't going on. Uh, Georgia's defense and Florida's offense—that's going to be something to watch. Uh, right now, the line is Georgia by three. Uh, I don't think it's going to be that close. I think Georgia's defense will prevail in this one. Going with Georgia, uh, Rick. Georgia versus you Florida. Know, I, I hate when I come on here and people still like my answers and it forces me to agree with them, but I will be agreeing with Scott only because you call on him first every time. And this is my segment, but I do agree with Scott. I think Georgia's defense shows up in this game and Georgia gets a big win. The cocktail party, man, let's go. Hey man, it's the world's largest cocktail party. It's going to look a little bit different this, uh, this year. Uh, for starters, with the pandemic, there's much of a cocktail party. There won't be tailgating allowed on the grounds. Uh, but, uh, you know, hey, we can have cocktails at home, right, as we proved that we could do last night. <laughs> right. <laughs> that was classic. I tried to get that, 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 that video off my phone. Uh, for, for the outsiders who obviously weren't all part of the insider, Rick and I were texting each other video stuff back and forth and we're planning a, a we're planning and, and Adam you're more than invited as well but we're planning sometime after Thanksgiving before Christmas for Rick and uh, uh, Scott to get here and they're going to bring their wives and we're going to hang out and you know have Darren hang out and then do the show and and I and I said when well, we all heard the debauchery debauchery yeah debauchery and then yeah Dinner, and then, uh, show, then, then it's our own cocktail party. That's right. And Melissa had to correct me in the background, debauchery or something like that. So that's how the debauchery, debauchery uh, came uh, came to uh, together for those who were wondering, what the heck are they talking about? <laughs> so go ahead. What, what, are, what are your thoughts, Rick, on this game? We'll let you roll with it, man. Oh, yeah. Well, Scott stole my answer, so I'm going to piggyback off him on this one. Uh, it's Georgia's going to win. Uh, I do think it's a close game, but I think their defense holds because their defense is really good. Uh, Kirby Smart is uh, he's a great defensive mind. You know, came from Alabama. He's a uh, basically a, you know, well, he's not basically he is a student under Nick Saban. So uh, you know, similar defense that Alabama plays, they play at Georgia. I think that's what uh, wins this game. Adam Jimmin, what are your thoughts on this SEC matchup, the Gators and Georgia Bulldogs? I'm going the other way. I've watched Georgia several times. Their defense is really good. That offense is pathetic. Um, you know, I think that Kyle Pitts and Tr- Kyle Trask, which is the best one-two punch um, outside of the major two teams with with uh, with Alabama and Ohio State, because Tr- Clemson doesn't really have a, a true number one receiver right now. Um, they're going to get enough done. Kyle Trask is working his way up draft boards. Uh, we're going to see him. He He's going to, I think, be in contention to be that third quarterback taken. Um, everybody's really hyping Trey Lance, but I think you could see with a really good 
rest of the season by uh, by Trask, you could see him play his way into that third spot. And I think he knows it. You know, this is a big game for Dan Mullen and the Florida Gators to show that they're back. They win this game. They're in the driver's seat for the SEC championship game and the right to get curb stomped by Alabama. Neither one can really remotely compete with them. <laughs> but I think that's the thing is I think Florida will score enough. I, I mean, I've, I've, watched, I've watched Georgia struggle week after week scoring the football. And I just don't think they can get it done. I think they, it, it, when it comes to a team that has – I mean, Florida's defense is not great. But even just some pulse on defense, Georgia just cannot score without basically trickeration. And I think they emptied the whole kitchen sink against Alabama, and then Alabama still ended up winning big. So I, I think it's going to be close. But I've got Florida winning a close game um, with just enough offense to win. And it's going to be one of those like old-school SEC games that the score's like, I'm going to go – 13 to 17. Well, you know, here's the thing. I've kind of. Florida. 13 17, Florida, right? Yep. 13 17, Florida. I've gone back and forth on this Florida Georgia uh, prediction. And, and really, you could date it all the way back uh, to following last year's game. Three losses in a row to Georgia, including last year when there was plenty of opportunity to dethrone Georgia in the SEC East, but came up short in Jacksonville. And then, as everything everybody knows, the, the pandemic hit, the world fell apart, and spring ball was removed. And Florida returned to the majority of its, majority of its coaching talent and staff. And Georgia saw a major shakeup on the offensive side of the ball. Several new quarterbacks paired with new offensive with a new offensive coordinator. A lot of things, kinks that couldn't get worked out, and what would have gotten worked out had the pandemic not have happened. Um, and then just uh, Florida's defense got off to a rough start. But I, I think they've got it all figured out. I think Florida certainly has it all figured out and should flip the script in the East, uh, definitely for sure. So I've got Florida winning thirty-eight twenty-seven. And I don't know what the spread on that is. Uh, Scott, do you know? Yeah, Georgia, Georgia favored by three. Okay. So well, I could make a little money if, if I decided to put some money down on that. <laughs> <laughs> well, guys, the moment of truth is here. It's time for us to talk some big in football. And uh, we'll, we'll let everybody uh, talk about the, the playoff predictions. And, you know, one of the things, Rick, and, and I know that Adam wasn't on the phone, but you to, I mean, wasn't on the show with us before when you talked about this, but you basically said that Big Ten should not be eligible for the playoffs. Uh, do you still stand by that? Uh, no, because the uh, Big 12 basically imploded. So, I mean, it, it, here's the only other thing that uh, – maybe I could stand by is Cincinnati is out there uh, going undefeated. And I think they, they have played and they're going to play a lot tougher schedule than what Ohio state's playing. And uh, that is the only, if Notre Dame wins tonight, it, I, I think Cincinnati is pretty much done for the playoff hope because uh, Notre Dame losing or somebody, one of these top four teams getting out, Ohio state's going to stay in. Uh, I'm big on Cincinnati. This is the year to take a non-power five. Uh, and put them in the playoff. This is the year to do it. But now with the Big 12 imploding, uh, I, it, it's making it harder and harder for that to happen. Uh, but I do think Cincinnati's schedule 
And what they've done so far is a lot tougher than anything Ohio State's going to do this year. Well, let's go ahead and let's uh, kick it off with Ohio State. Obviously, against Rutgers, the IU beat Rutgers. Um, not going to happen, but the devil's advocate here. What happens if Rutgers beats Ohio State, Adam? Um, the world would end. I, I mean, <laughs> this, Ohio, this Ohio State team is I, – I think it's better than last year's team. The offense is not as good uh, running the ball yet. Uh, J.K. Dobbins was obviously phenomenal. We're going more running back by committee this year with Master Teague and Trey Sermon. We might even see some steel chambers today. Uh, But throwing the ball, my gosh. Uh, You know, you've got Garrett Wilson and Chris Olave. Both could be drafted in the first round. You've got our tight ends that are really good. And then you've got these fleet of these four freaking amazing good freshman receivers headlined by – two All-Americans on the offensive line. Um, And then the defensive line is what's been really impressive. If you watch the Penn State game, the defensive tackles, um, Tommy Togiai and Haskell Garrett, which I don't know if you guys heard the story of Haskell Garrett in the offseason. The dude broke up a fight between a guy who was smacking around his girl, and the dude shot him in the face, and he's playing on Saturdays. That is some kind of masculinity. I don't know that I possess in my body. <laughs> um, but, you know, both of those guys have been playing at an unbelievably high level. We're actually getting more sacks this year than we did last year with Chase Young. Um, you know, I, I think you've got – I think the spread's something like 36. And if I'm betting that game, you take the over. I think Ohio State's going to win something like – Oh, I'm gonna go like 56 to like 10. I, I I think I think they're absolutely going to pretty much from this point out. Penn State was our toughest game, and again, if you watched it, that game was not even as close as the as the score indicated. Because in the second half, we just kind of went to the prevent. We're trying dudes not to get hurt and trying to keep Penn State from hitting the big, you know, like one play fluke drive that would get them back into the game. So I, I just I think they're going to absolutely murder Rutgers and really slaughter the rest of the schedule. And I'm looking forward to our annual beatdown of that school up north. <laughs> right. uh, Scott Lamb, what are your thoughts on the Ohio State Rutgers game? And, and certainly I think you know what the spread is, but it certainly should be no problem for Ohio State to cover and no problem for them to get the win. Well, this is one of those spreads you got to be careful if you're going to take the points with Ohio State. They're laying 39. Uh, last year they laid – 52 against Rutgers, and Rutgers scored three touchdowns. So if you want to, if you want to lay 39 points, if you want to lay 39 points, you got to hope Ohio State scores 60. And the problem with that is that Justin Fields and that offense and the purple stringers aren't going to play in the second half. Uh, yeah, Ohio State will roll and dominate, but are you going to lay 39 points for them to do it? I, I just I can't put that down. Um, you talked a minute ago about. Uh, the Big Ten and playoff chances. The only other team in the Big Ten that has a chance is Wisconsin, and they're postponing a second game this week. If they postpone one more, they're not eligible for the Big Ten championship. <clears throat> that doesn't allow Ohio State to have any other uh, strength of schedule ability in the conference the rest of the way. I don't think the Big Ten is going to be eligible in the end. 
So uh, I assume you're picking Ohio State on this game, though. I'll, I'll pick Ohio State to win, but I'm not going to play those points. I got you. Rick Reagan, what are your thoughts on Ohio State Rutgers? I, I don't have to give any thoughts. I mean, it's they, they're <laughs> they're going to dominate Rutgers. I mean, look at it, man. Look at <laughs> this is uh this is the game between mice and men, you know, you can say. So, <laughs> yeah, well, here's the game. That, yeah, here's it's, it's the not game even worth picking, you know. <laughs> here's the game that I'm chopping out the bit to talk about. That's IU ranked number 13, first time in the top 25 in God knows how long. Uh, they're 2-0. and uh, They're coming up against Michigan, which is 1-1. and uh, And, you know, I, I think uh, – Adams root for IU to go undefeated so that he they can stomp us in the Big Ten championship. That's kind of his his path there. But uh, but wouldn't that be something if the roles were reversed? Wouldn't that be something if the polls were wrong on that game? Let's start with you, Rick Riggin, who never gets to get the first question to him. Rick Riggin, uh, Michigan at IU down in Bloomington. Yeah, well, here, here's a this two days ago. This is why you know I I can't pick Michigan ever. I hate Michigan. Uh, that's why me and Adam are our best friends. I, I wish Michigan would lose every single game and have to cancel the football program because Michigan sucks. I hate Michigan. But here's the stat before I go on my little rant here. Uh, Rich Rodriguez just gave uh, Jim Harbaugh his uh, the seal of approval. So that in itself is probably going to lose Michigan this game. Uh, I, I'm taking Michigan to win this game because I think they get back on track. But man, I would love it. IU just uh, got the win here, but I'm going to take Michigan close. I mean, it's about time for Tim Harbaugh to hang it up. I, I think he's had his time there, Michigan, and I. It is, gonna... and uh, you know what? After this, uh, his contract ends next season. They're not going to resign him, and he is not going to coach anywhere else. I, I know the big talk is going to go back to the NFL. But I don't think so. I think he just retires from coaching, period, right off of the sunset. He always talks about buying an RV and traveling the country. I think that's what he's going to do. Um, I don't know after this year he hangs it up or wait till his contract expires next year. But this is for next season. Uh, he's out at Michigan, and he's done coaching football forever. Well, we'll see how, how that plays out. Adam Jividen, Big Ten guy, what are your thoughts on this IU Michigan? And I, I've got you down as IU winning, right, correct? Heck freaking yes, Tom. <laughs> like, I, and, and no. this isn't just hope. I, I, I watched Michigan against Michigan State. Michigan's terrible. They lost their top two receivers from, no, top three receivers from last year. Tariq Black transferred to Texas. Donovan Peoples Jones is catching touchdown passes to win the game against the Cincinnati Bengals. And uh, Nico Collins basically told Jim Harbaugh to screw himself because Jim Harbaugh was his typical Jim Harbaugh dickhead. So I think, you know, <laughs> I, I legitimately think I used going to win this game. They're going to struggle keeping Phoenix uh, in the pocket, keeping him down. We saw what he did against Penn State. And, and I think I use going to move the ball. This, everybody knows how to beat Don Brown now. Don Brown you just was Dr. Blitz, and he would blitz every down. And then Ohio State scored like a million points on him in back-to-back seasons, and everybody was like, Oh, so that's how you beat them. You basically just run crossing routes or post patterns because they're, they're defenders for being at the quote-unquote Harvard of the Midwest can't seem to figure out how to pass off a receiver to a, a linebacker or a safety because they're actually dumber than a bag of hammers because they're all taking, you know, like 
women's studies up there in Ann Arbor. Who knows? I, I, you know what? I hope Jim Harbaugh gets a lifetime contract. I know he's not going to stay, but I'd love to see it because then we can just lap Michigan. We'll take the lead in the overall, um, the overall rivalry score, which seeing as how, like, they won, like, 27 of the first 30, it it, it had this what was seen to be an insurmountable lead. We're going to take over the rivalry um, win-loss record in the next 10 years before Ryan Day retires or moves on or if he never retires. Hey, Ryan Day can coach forever. Um, But, you know, I don't don't see a path for Michigan to improve. And then even if they – if Harbaugh couldn't do it, who will? I I don't know that there is – another because they're going to go big name hunting. I don't know that there's a big name out there that's going to want to take that Michigan job after seeing what Harbaugh couldn't do being an alumni, but going to the IU game, I think they're going to struggle with stopping uh, IU on offense. And I don't think Joe Milton had a, had a 48% completion percentage in high school. And you're telling me he can be a big time NFL or NFL prospect at, at, at Michigan. No, like, he's got a big arm, so do a lot of people, and they're, like, bagging groceries at the local Kroger. So, I, I mean, I, I've got IU winning and people being shocked, but if people actually looked at what IU has done lately, this is what Tom Allen has been building to. Yeah. Is he knew that that third spot and eventually the second spot was up for grabs with seeing how Michigan has underperformed Year after year after year after year, Penn State was his big statement win to say we're here, and then Michigan proves it. Now, they're, they're going to see how far away they are here in a couple weeks, but I think, I think they're actually going to give Ohio State our toughest game until maybe the Big Ten Championship game, which will probably be against Northwestern, and I think Northwestern is pretty good this year. That's going to be against uh, you, but we'll talk about that at a different time when the time comes. So, so uh, we'll go ahead and, and start with you. Uh, uh, I mean, continue on with you, Scott, because I knew I knew I was poking the bear with both Rick and uh, Adam uh, with Michigan. They both hate Michigan just probably equally, if not as much or more than each other. Uh, obviously, Notre Dame hates Michigan and Ohio State hates Michigan. So I knew I was poking the bear. But you're a Kansas State guy, so you you could probably be a little bit more biased in this. Game. I can't be biased in this game either. Right, go ahead. Right, right. So I, I use a great feel-good story. I mean, it's been 30 years since they started two and zero in conference play. A lot of that is because they usually play Ohio State early in conference. I mean, there's that's going to be 15 years of those is why you're not two and zero in conference. Uh, can they get to three and zero and then they would leapfrog Wisconsin to the top ten? I don't see it. Adam made a comment about NFL quarterback prospects in Michigan and how you get it. Once upon a time, Tom Brady couldn't beat Drew Henson out for the starting job in Michigan. Uh, what, what Michigan's problem, so they got their two big in-conference rivalries, Michigan State and Ohio State, and Jim Harbaugh's one and eight against those two teams. But the rest of the conference, he, he, does, he somehow manages to dominate. He just can't beat Michigan State, and he can't beat Ohio State. Uh, I, Michigan's favorite by three and a half in this game. I think they cover, and I think they beat IU. IU's a good, still good story, but I don't think I don't see IU win this game. You're, you, so you pick, you pick uh, Michigan. I so. Michigan. Okay. Yep. So far, you're the anomaly, and I think you're going to remain that in this. You know, here's the thing: there are no no days off in the Big Ten schedule, and and while the rankings suggest that Indiana is better a better team than their matchup like, in, against Michigan. 
I think Hoosiers know how any optimism should come with a healthy dose of caution with IU, and especially with coming with Michigan. That's because any Hoosier fan under the age of 33 has never witnessed an IU win over Michigan. It's a stretch of futility that's not only older than every player on the team, but almost much of the staff. The IU offensive coordinator, uh, Nick Sheridan, a Michigan alum, uh, wasn't born when IU last won the, the series. The defensive coordinator, Ken Walmack, was six months old. Uh, and so with IU at number 13 uh, in the AP top tw- at 25, and I'm an IU guy, I'm, I'm going to go with my blood on this one. And, you know, hey, I, I, I hopefully I'm not disappointed. Like I said, all, all IU fans are very cautiously optimistic about this game, but it would be great to continue, as Scott would say, the feel-good uh, uh, story. So I'm going with IU. Rick's going with IU. Adam's going with IU. And uh, Scott's going with Michigan. Because he doesn't like I, actually, I actually yeah. picked Michigan. I, I actually picked Michigan close. As much as it pains me, but my pick was Michigan. Oh, I'm sorry. I apologize. For for some reason, I missed it. All right, guys, uh, one of the last things uh, that we're going to talk about as far as our games of the week is Texas versus West Virginia. Uh, We'll start down at the bottom there with Adam. David, now that you're at the bottom, you're just just last in the the call queue here. (laughs) You're the last one to call in. So, uh, Adam – Adam, uh, Texas versus West Virginia, and if you're a West Virginian fan, uh, you've got a lot to be excited about. Yeah, you know, I think West Virginia is – they're really going the right direction. They, they've they always had teams that were very explosive recently, uh, offensively, and their defense was absolutely atrocious. Um, and I feel like this year is more of the same. That's just, I think, the entire Big 12. I mean th- – if these guys could learn how to tackle, I mean, it would, like, change the world. Uh, I mean, but, you know, we'll, we'll see. I, I, I don't think – I think West Virginia is excited. I think Texas has enough offense to pull out the win. Uh, I, I hope they do. I want to see Tom Herman stay at Texas as long as humanly possible because – Almost every time he meets up with Brian Day on the recruiting uh, on the recruiting field, on the recruiting battle, uh, Ryan Day comes out ahead, or it doesn't take long, and then the guy decommits from Texas, like what we saw from Quinn Ewers, the number one quarterback in the country for next year, and he's probably going to commit to Ohio State soon. So, I mean, you know, I, uh, I, I, I'm going to pick Texas because I, I just look at that talent that Texas has, and I don't understand how they're so bad i i feel like in in games where it's especially when you don't have fans to win out more often than not and i feel like talent even wins over incompetence so i'm going to take texas <laughs> if that if, if that argument could be uh more accurate i'll go i'll roll with you on that rick riggin uh texas and west virginia what are your thoughts uh, that argument is accurate. It's the whole Charlie Weiss thing now we're seeing down in Texas because Charlie Weiss at Notre Dame was probably the best recruiter in the country. Look at all these players he brought into Notre Dame. Holy cow. And, and, and none of that translated into wins. So when that doesn't translate to wins, there's only one thing you can point at, and that is coaching. Uh, Tom Herman is just not the coach everybody thought that he would be. 
and uh, Texas is suffering, suffering because of it. I do think this will be a close Texas win. Uh, but, yeah, it, it comes down to coaching with Tom Herman. Yeah, I think he's as great as uh, everybody thought he was coming out of Houston. He is who we thought he was. Scott Lamb, uh, he, here's a team you probably still got a little bit of beard, uh, bit bitterness uh, coming into this week. Uh, West Virginia and Texas. Um, what are your thoughts? Uh, it's not so much bitterness. I mean, the Big 12 is pretty balanced competitively across the board. West Virginia has looked really good last week against Kansas State in all three phases, uh, their offense, their defense, and their special teams. Uh, West, West Virginia is, you know, just one of those really competitive teams in that top half of the Big 12 that, you know, they're sitting at 4-2 and two right now. Texas is at 4-2. and two. Every seems like every every team in the Big 12 is sitting at 4-2 and two, or 2-2 two and two in conference. Uh, but you know how I feel about Sam Ellinger and that Texas, Texas offense, and Ellinger's the best player in the Big 12. Uh, probably, probably still one of the top quarterbacks in the country. He still leads the nation in touchdown passes. Uh, I, I think Texas wins this game. I think Texas still continues to go in the game to the Big 12 championship at the end. Uh, my big concern with Texas is going to be their future. Uh, you know, I mentioned it last week. They lost that number one quarterback prospect, and 48 hours later they lost their five-star receiver. That tells me that Tom Hurton is not going to be there much longer at Texas, and Texas is going to go through another rebuild. But I'm going to take Texas in this game over West Virginia. Rick's got Texas, Adam's got Texas, and you've got Texas. Well, here's the thing about West Virginia. I mean, they're a sneaky good team with a very good passing attack and a strong defense that has a good mix to beat anyone in the conference on the right day. And there, there's the, the, the caveat, on the right day. I mean, it worked at home last week against Kansas State with a defensive front stuffing running game, allowing just 225 yards overall. But that is what the team does. Only Oklahoma State is able to run well against them. Only Baylor is able to throw more than 200 yards. If Texas played last week and doesn't get the old going, assuming that West Virginia doesn't turn it over uh, four times, this should be a very close game. However, that said, uh, Texas won't rip apart the Mountaineers, but the offense will just be effective just enough to keep it alive and get out probably another nail-biter. I'm going to go with Texas, but this is going to be a close one, and maybe even over time. I'm going with Texas as well, so I think we're all, we're all rolling uh, with uh, uh, Texas on, on this particular game. That, that's all the games that we have of the week. We do want to talk a little bit just because, hey, we're still talking about it in the coronavirus and sports. So let's start with you, Adam, as, as we see, you know, uh, for example, Trevor Lawrence, and we see uh, – and you weren't on the show when we talked about this before – but one of the things that, that Ohio State is, and I mean, not necessarily again, is like, no, we're not, we're, not, we're not ready to come back yet. We think if we come back too soon, it's, just gonna, and it's proven to be true across the board. And, and not only college football, NFL, we're, we're seeing it in some, of the, in some of the racing teams. We're seeing it, and I'm sure we're seeing it in, in corporate America across uh, the, the nation that people are, are beginning to test positive for this. Uh, so it's it's not a political uh, pandemic, uh, no matter what anybody wants to wants you to believe. So but let's start with you, Adam. You, Adam, how, what are your thoughts on the overall handling of the pandemic? And as you've seen, a lot of schools like Wisconsin and a lot of other schools have had massive outbreaks, and you've had other schools that had uh, one or few or not. So, Adam, what are your thoughts on uh, the the Corona issues, the Rona issues? You know, I. I... I, I get the 
I, I totally understand what what some of the conferences have done. I think the Big Ten tried to be like showing that they're way out of everybody by uh, inflicting or putting on these restrictions that were more severe than even what the CDC recommends. I think that was stupid. Um, I, I think a lot of it comes down to how, what is the culture of the program? Ohio State has not had one player test positive. Um, we have, they've basically done what the NBA did and kind of taken the kids and put them in a bubble. Um, and, and the players understand they're they're they know what they're fighting for and so they're trying to you know keep as contact you know away from people as as they possibly can to just their teams um i think we're seeing for the most part some sec teams are doing that doing it well as well wisconsin i don't know what the heck's going on up there um that's the biggest outbreak across the country but we also did just see the pac-12 cancel the game today between cal and Washington because one player tested positive. I I was like, my gosh. I, I mean, the, the the challenging thing about the about COVID and the coronavirus that I that, that I struggle with personally is that for ninety eight percent of people that come in contact with this thing, it's kind of almost nothing. Is it, it's just you know I. And so I think it's been handled well by by some schools. I think other schools have handled it poorly. What's interesting are the schools that have done it well, why the schools that are doing it poorly aren't going to the ones that are doing it well and be like, hey, what are you guys doing? It's just it, – that's baffling to me. Uh, the the, the um, Ohio State program actually met in conjunction with um, the Cleveland Browns um, in putting together a plan for both programs – um, with the Cleveland Clinic and helping determine what was the best way to do that. And, and, and it's been very, very successful. The Browns haven't had one player um, test positive. Uh, Ohio State hasn't had a player test positive. And so I just think this is one of those things where if the conferences were smart, they would go, what's going to be a uniform way of doing it? What schools have done it well? Take, the, take those five, get them in a room, talk about it, and make everybody do the same thing. But you know, that just seems to be like, too okay. much common sense. Yeah, there's got to be a way where there could be a uniform. I, I just don't know how we can contain this virus. People have tried. And, I mean, you have, you say, what happened up at Wisconsin? I probably some frat party, and it, and it just got out of hand. That, that's just my guess. I have no no validation for that. Rick, let's move on to a game that we both were looking forward to. And, and yeah, we were all looking forward to kind of watching this game for fun as far as the Commander-in-Chief's trophy chase. And that's Air, Air Force at Army. And uh, because of the COVID-19 issues, I believe on the Air Force side, I'm pretty sure, uh, they postponed yeah. the game. Um, and so what what are your thoughts on how what's going on with how schools are contain, trying to contain this? And, you know, you know, you talk about the service academies. They're typically very, very disciplined for good reason, uh, very disciplined. So I don't know what happened there. But it just goes to show that even if you're a disciplined organization, uh, Monster can find its way into your organization. What are your thoughts on what's going on with college football and sports and uh, right shoes? Well, the COVID outbreak is with the Air Force Academy. It's on the campus there. It is not like with the Air Force football team. Uh, so that's why they canceled the game or postponed the game. Uh, 
I could tell you exactly what's going on. Uh, Scott and Tom, you guys were both in the service. I mean, it, it's, it's like a it's a tech school environment, really. It's college, so you know what's going on on campus there. I mean, yes, it's discipline to a point, but they're going out, they're partying, they're doing the college life. So that that's really what I think this all comes down to there. Uh, but I am disappointed this game got postponed because Air Force would be going for the Commanders and Chiefs trophy today if they would have got the win against Army. Well, the good word that I like is postponed as opposed to canceled. So uh, hopefully we'll be able to get that in and and, uh, and see what see what happens. Scott Lamb, what are your thoughts? Uh, Air Force, uh, Army, uh, we were looking forward to that game. I know you're just getting out of the Army. appreciate your service as well. Uh, but uh, the Army, Air Force, game postponed. And, and just, you know, overall, thoughts on, on the COVID issues across the board. Yeah, same, same thing uh, that, that you just said, that the game's postponed. Army and Air Force have flexibility that they can get that game in uh, later on. So we're going to see who's going to get the Commander Chief Trophy at some point. Uh, my thought overall on COVID and college sports is it's a chain reaction. We saw what happened with Wisconsin and Nebraska, how that affected Nebraska losing a game due to Wisconsin's outbreak. And now you have Purdue having an outbreak, and it affects Wisconsin. We've missed two games in a row. Uh, so this chain reaction, we're going to see what keeps continuing to happen, especially with the Big Ten policy uh, and, and how they have to have they how their 21 day for players, 10 days for coaches. The chain chain reaction it has, you're losing games with no room to uh, get those games back in at a later point. Uh, we'll see what happens with the Pac-12 if they even have a chance to get into the playoffs if they start having similar outbreaks like we saw with Cal and Washington. Again, my my overall thought is it's just a chain reaction that. Has uh, has you know, it, it affects the entire conference, and it's not just the team with the outbreak; it's their forward as well. Yeah, Scott. Yeah, that's exactly right. Uh, you know, a team like Ohio State could do everything exactly right, but their opponents will have the outbreak, and that cancels games uh, for Ohio State. So that's a big problem with no wiggle room in the Big Ten. And I don't even know if if it was speaking of, uh, of opponents. Uh, I mean, we saw that, that Michigan and Detroit had some uh, an outbreak, which affected the Colts. Uh, are the Colts even having their game tomorrow? Does anybody know that? I'm just going to ask Ed that later, and I'll look it up here, but I just didn't know if you guys knew. Because I know they postponed practice this week or canceled practice. So, and the Browns I'm not aware are of any games postponed in the NFL okay. schedule. I know the Broncos have shut down their facility uh, at least one to two days each of the last two weeks because of a player or coach that's been – uh, going into COVID restrictions, but they haven't canceled the game because of it. But they are canceling practices. Well, guys, it's time to wrap it up and put a bow on this segment. We'll start with you, Adam. What are your final words of wisdom, sir? Yeah, I, uh, I, I, I just want to say, like, considering, you know, what's happening with COVID, we just need to, to, to enjoy what we have in front of us um, with these college football games. Who knows if they're going to finish the season? I I hope they do, um, and I and I hope uh, I hope we see a a big win tonight um, for for the Golden Domers, um, and a big win for the IU Hoosiers. I just I'm I, I'm taking one week at a time, and that's kind of where we're at. I'm ready for this election cycle to get over, and people to <laughs> act like civilized human beings again. <laughs> But we know we asked this question last week, but uh, you, 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 you know, we'll get your answer. Do you think we'll know who the next president of the United States is when we start the thing next week? Oh, heck no. I think we'll, well, we'll know tentatively, and then it's going to go to the courts, and then it'll be settled in December. Yeah. But I, yeah, I, I mean, I, I just, I think there's, if there's too much contention. There's, it's way too close, and there's too many. I mean, 
I've got friends on both sides of the aisle, and both sides are saying, like, yeah, there's some shady stuff going on. And, and when you've got, like, like, come on, guys. Like, we know this is some shady business going on. So, <laughs> you know, so, yeah, in, in, I think that, that, that's I think the thing. December. Yeah, well, yeah, but a lot of people think just because the network puts a check mark beside somebody, that means they're winning. Or they're, they might be ahead. But you you look at the, the, the states that had these close things done. And by you know they, the electoral college doesn't even have to cast, doesn't cast their ballot till December fourteenth, and they don't have to go the way the state says it, it's almost never done. It, it's happened a few times in history, but they aren't required to go with the way the state voted. I mean, it's expected that they will, and it's understood that they will, but they aren't required by law that says that they, that they would they would do that. So it'll be interesting to see what happens. Adam, we appreciate you. Jumping on, you're always welcome, sir. Thanks, Tom. You guys have a good week. Go, do All right, buddy. Scott Lamb, final words of wisdom for us, sir. Hey, yeah, just a just a couple of thoughts on what you had just said. You know, electoral college in 2016, Texas gave two of their votes to Hillary Clinton, uh, and then of course those two voters ended up being disbanded later. So that is a possibility. And second, uh, my like what perks my interest is. Uh, how a Republican can win Florida by four points, and Florida is one of the first states to declare and get all their votes in. Absolutely. Well, Scott, we appreciate you joining us, and you have yourself a, a, a good week. I look forward to you getting up here to Indianapolis. Yep, you too. Take care, guys. All right. Fresh Save the best for last. Final words. All right. Sure. Hey. Yeah, this whole election has been debauchery. And, uh, you know, I'm looking forward to the uh, all the debauchery that's going to happen in the games today. Uh, go Irish. Uh, you could, uh, you know, I've been trolled all week on Twitter about picking this game. I, I, I love the Twitter trolls, so I'm at Rick and underscore Rick on Twitter. Please keep it coming, and uh, let's go Irish, man. They need this win. It's going to be a big win tonight. All right, buddy. We'll, we'll talk with you soon. Have a good week. You too. Rick Reagan, Scott Lamb, and Adam Jividen. Our uh, college football extraordinaire helping us wrap up college football Saturday. My, my name is Tom Marquis, El Presidente. We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network where we're going to start our racing talk. National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and
the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing 4 on 4 with a barber shark quartet. Bum, 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 bum. Pass the ball, pass the rod. We're open, just pass the ball. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you 15% or more on car insurance. For unbelievable. A movement is the power of people, inspired by a common passion that is determined for change. A movement can be sparked by something pretty unlikely. We are Movember. We grow a moustache or challenge ourselves to get physically active and move for the 30 days of November to raise awareness and funds for men's health. We were born over a few beers in a bar in Australia. We are now in over 21 countries, making us the largest men's health movement in the world. We are more bros, and we are at our strongest when we stay true to who we are. Real men, talking about real issues. We are a global community, standing together, welcoming each and every MoBro and MoSista as a friend and fellow change agent. We sign up at Movember.com in October and raise funds in Movember for prostate cancer, testicular cancer, poor mental health, and physical inactivity. The moustache is our hairy ribbon, our badge of honor. It starts conversations about men's health. The Move Challenge puts our vision of having an everlasting impact on the face of men's health into action. This Movember, grow a moustache, challenge yourself to move, and support those who do. Together, we can change the face of men's health. Certainly good to see IU finally getting back up in the top 25. We're, we're going to be talking some NASCAR now with uh, 
Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, editor-in-chief of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, and Tony Donahue, the Tony D Podcast. We get ready for Phoenix. Uh, Steve, how are you, sir? Doing well. How about yourself? <laughs> I'm doing well. It's crazy time. At least we know the answer to our question. Kevin Harvick is not the president of the United States. Uh, <laughs> we don't know who's going to be the next president of the United States. So Tony Donahue, Tony D Podcast, how are you, sir? Good. How are you guys doing? Good, good. Uh, and for those that weren't on the show last week, we know that you wrote in Kevin Harvick as uh, the next president of the United States. But he very might be the next NASCAR champion. We'll start with you, uh, Steve, as they roll off. We're, we're getting ready to, to – we're basically down to the nit 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 nitty-gritty, if you will, as we go into the uh, diamond, uh, I mean, into the desert. Um, hey, for, I, was, I was thinking about the truck series. I don't know why I said that. But uh, we're going into Phoenix there. Uh, bell me out here, Steve. Go ahead. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, you know, we've already crowned one champion last night with Sheldon Creed capping off the season there. Um, I mean, he, he put on a heck of a performance, and you know, with a late race uh, restart there, uh, took that thing like uh, three, four watt out there and hung it out there and was able to complete the pass and, uh, you know, uh, shut uh, Brett Moffat's chances down of winning his second championship down. And, uh, you know, that, it, you know, it, we saw some really good racing around the racetrack and, you know, uh, it's crazy right from the get, get right from the get go. And, you know, Grant, it seems the thing kind of happened to Grant Anfinger on the initial star where Grant was out there leading and, um, you know, the field just fanned out and overtook him. And, uh, he, he, uh, he was, uh, he kind of hung out there in the top three, top four, top five all night long. And, uh, and then finally Brent Moffitt was able to get up there and lead a, a good majority of the, of, of laps out there, about 70 something laps, 72, 73 laps. And, uh, you know, had it not been for that late race uh, uh, spin by Dawson Cram, I think uh, we would be talking about uh, Brent Moffat and his second Truck Series championship today, but um, it wasn't. And uh, Sheldon Creed is your not only race winner, but your 2020 Truck Series champion. Tony Donahue, great race uh, last night in the Truck Series. Obviously, a, a great uh, win by Sheldon Creed. You've got Sheldon Creed, Zane Smith, Brett Moffat. And Grant and Grant Effinger there uh, in the truck series. What were your thoughts, Tony, as you looked at that race last night, uh, that truck race there in that, in Phoenix? Yeah, I mean, you know, Sheldon Creed was ninth on that last restart that Steve mentioned, and and he moved his way all the way up, and it came down to overtime, a last restart, and that's really all you can ask for when it comes down to a championship. It's kind of what NASCAR has wanted to build um, as far as this playoff system goes, and you've got to perform. Uh, I know a lot of people last week, and I'm sure we'll get into it, were upset about the Kevin Harvick situation. Uh, but, mm-hmm. yeah, Sheldon Creed caps off with his fifth win of the season. Um, you know, he's been consistent all year. That's really what it takes. And, and when it comes down to it, you, you, you've got to win races um, to to punch yourself into the next round. And then, you know, nobody if you win the race the last round, nobody's going to be able to take it from you. So, uh, you know, I, I thought he, he was great all year. Um you know, he ran well when I was at St. Louis and saw the truck series. And uh, to be able to cap it off on that last restart last night. Uh, and, and you think about the races that he's won this year. He won at Kentucky. But then he wins at Daytona. Um, and then, like I mentioned, he won at Gateway when I was there at St. Louis a few months back. 
and then to cap it off, winning two of the last three races and finishing the last four races in the top ten, I mean, that's really what it takes to win a championship. And when it came down to it, I, I think one of, if not the best truck driver of the year, ended up winning the championship. Steve, as we roll into the Xfinity uh, Championship uh, Series, uh, talk with us a little bit about today's race, this evening's race, I should say, uh, the, the Desert Diamond Casino oh, West Valley 200. See, I knew I had to say that somehow, uh, but go, go right, right ahead, uh, Steve. It's an awful long name, isn't it? Uh, I, I think that we need to start looking at shortening some of these race names still, but anyways, yeah. <laughs> Um, you know, this this race is going to be a, a race that we're going to run right in the middle of the day. So, uh, you know, we're going to get some heat in the track, and hopefully we can get some slip in the sliding around. That's one thing that, uh, you know, we didn't really get a whole lot of last night with it being uh, an APM race, and uh, the sun had already started to go down there and things. So, um, you know, I, I, we heard about some loose trucks, stuff like that, but we just didn't seem to get some slipping and sliding around, which I hopefully, you know, we can get some of that today. Um I think going into this, uh, you look at. Uh, I think you have to look at Justin Allgaier. I think Justin Allgaier has a has a good chance of coming in there and winning today. And uh, you know, but then but then you look over and you you look at you look at somebody like Chase Briscoe and uh, Austin uh, Austin Cendrick and guys like that that have won uh, what about seven or eight. Uh, events all all to themselves and I mean they, they, they're going to be hard competition not only um, you know just to win the race uh, but to win the championship in general and I think you're going to have to get by both of them and um, you know they're really going to be strong today I, I really do think that between the two of them they're going to be strong but don't don't count out of just long there for sure Tony let's talk a little bit about the track out there in Phoenix and you know, it's it's in the desert, and it has a lot of different elements in this track. Um, help us to understand the challenges that the teams uh, play on this track, and, and more importantly, how those challenges will uh, play in going into the playoffs as we as we round out the season for uh, all the series, for that matter, out there in Phoenix. Yeah, they changed the configuration, what, a year ago? I think last year was maybe the first um, mm-hmm. with the new configuration where basically – coming off of what was turn number two is now coming up basically the final corner to take, you know, the finish line. You got the dog leg, the king, which was once on the back stretch. Now it's kind of kind of like the front straightaway just past the start finish line. Um, and what was the main stretch is now the back straightaway. Um, you know, like Steve said, you look at a guy like Justin Allgaier, 20 starts at Phoenix in his career. He's got 12 top 10. So he's finishing inside of the top 10 uh, more often than he's not at this track. You are certainly going to need – probably more than a top 10, a top five, but almost you almost have to win today. I, I just feel like these four championship contenders are going to be in the battle for the win. Austin Cindric is the guy that is going to be aggressive. Justin Allgaier is the crafty vet. Um, Justin Haley is the, hey, we're here. Uh, we didn't know if we were going to make it, but we're happy to be here. Let's see what we can do. And then Chase Briscoe has been, has been uh, the class of the field, I think, throughout the entire season. Um, you look what he's done. Uh, finishing sixth at Phoenix earlier this year, so uh, we'll see if uh, we'll see if he'll be able to 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 duplicate that and get inside of the top five. I'm obviously going to go with Chase Briscoe. He's one of my favorite drivers. I'm looking forward to seeing him move to Cup next year. Um, but yeah, they're all going to be starting up front today, and uh, I think it's going to be one heck of a race. And, and like like Steve mentioned, with it being in the middle of the day, tire wear. We'll see 
who can make their tires last on longer green flag runs. And then if it ends up like last night where, you know, you're going to have a short run towards the end, who gets tires depending on where you're at and can tires get you up from ninth to first like we saw last night with Sheldon Creed. You know, uh, Steve, let's talk a little bit about these these uh, 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 top fours, if you will, in the in the Xfinity race. And Tony mentioned Austin Cedric, and he he, he has a lot of confidence. He, five wins this season, along with eighteen top five finishes. What are your thoughts? Let's kind of spotlight each of these drivers. Uh, we'll go back and forth, but we'll start with Austin Cedric with you, Steve. Uh, let's kind of spotlight this driver. What's he got to do? to win in Phoenix and ultimately get to the championship race. Well, I think, you know, you're looking back at Austin Cindric and, you know, he, he kind of, kind of started off kind of rocky in the Xfinity series. And this, this year, it just really seems like he's going to caught his stride. And uh, I, I think a lot of people kind of figured that, you know, he, he would be given as many chances as he needed to be just considering who he was. But I think we can just kind of start discounting some of those things for him when when we have seen him win and be more consistent this year than we have. And he's kind of, you know, almost rocky start to his career in Xfinity Series. He seems to do a lot better in trucks, but, you know, he came over and uh, hopped in the car for for Penske. And, you know, it's just kind of been, like I said, a bit rocky. But, you know, it, it, you know they're tough drivers all around. Austin Sender and Chase Briscoe, both of them have seemed to just go back and forth all season long. Uh, one wins, the other wins, and it's just been playing hopscotch all year. And uh, you know, they're two four drivers. They they they're you know Chase Briscoe's moving up next year into the, into the Cup Series. Austin Sender is hoping to move up in the what well, will be moving up in the next. Uh, about two years or so over at the Wood Brothers number 21. So, you know, he's got a lot to prove. He's got a lot. He needs to get some more seat time, but he's also got a lot to prove. And I think for him, uh, locking down this championship just this weekend will just kind of solidify for for him, you know, why he deserves to be in these Penske cars and why he deserves in 2022 to go over to the Wood Brothers and take over that seat. So, um, it, it, it's it's going to be it's going to be a battle to the end that's for sure and I think you know you you've got all four drivers up there well really I think it just comes down to three of them uh, Briscoe him and uh, Allgaier I think Haley will uh, maybe at some point become uh, a factor into this but you know I I don't know how much of a factor it will be just you know just just you know look at what you know again has Cendric and Briscoe have done this year. Well, certainly a championship will make the big boys uh, take a look. I, we know, as as you mentioned, he's going to be a full-time ride with Wood Brothers in 2022, but he has struggled in the playoffs. And, 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 and while he's been consistent in the number 22 car, he's not finished higher than fourth over the past six races. Um, let's, uh, t- Tony, do you have any, any thoughts on Austin Cendrick before we move on to Justin Allgaier? Yeah, I mean, I, I, I agree with what Steve said. I mean, he's had a great year. I, I think a lot of guys, including myself, really wasn't sure what Austin Cindric was, the driver, when he came in and the trucks. Um, he crashed a lot of trucks, and he's crashed a lot of cars that he couldn't but he got hot over the summer, won a bunch of races, um, and has proven that, hey, I can uh, I can move up. I, I, I can take over some things. I, I can win. I'm not just here because – my dad runs Team Penske, and he's proven that he can get it done. So, um, you know, he's going to be gunning for it later today. Well, you got to look at Justin Allgaier, and he certainly has a has had one of the most difficult playoffs so far among 
the championship contenders. Uh, and so he, he struggles. What does Al Geiger got to do uh, to, to make a statement and to, to get to the uh, – well, I think everybody's got to beat out Chase Briscoe, and we'll get to him in a minute. But what does Justin particularly have to do in Phoenix this weekend? Um, because he's, he's, he's been struggling. Let's, you know, he just has been. Well, I mean, he's really good at, um, as I mentioned, he's really good at Phoenix, and he's got the most. I mean, he's been he's been a Cup Series regular. He's been a uh, he's been an Xfinity for the longest of times. Um, I, I think what you have to do today for Justin Allgaier is just stay clean, get to the end of the race, um, not not blow it early, uh, manage your tires, and just do what veterans do, and get to the end of a race, and then it's going to become you know an all-out shootout. Um, and I think, you know, you, you, you've got to see what the other drivers are going to do. You're constantly going to be looking, hey, where's, where's Haley at? Hey, where's Chase Briscoe at? Hey, where's Austin Sindrick at? You have to be aware of where everybody's at because as much as you're racing the racetrack and you're racing to win, when it comes down to it in these final laps, you're going to be wanting to know where those guys are. You're going to want to know, you know, who's around you, where your teammates are because your teammates are going to, are going to be important here too. Your teammates are going to be, um, you know, your, your teammates are going to, are going to be helpful. Um, at least you would hope. So you got to look for like maybe a Noah Graxon is, um, but yeah, if you're all guy, you could get here with a 26th, 10th, 23rd, 29th and a second over your last five races. Um, so you're on the pole, stay up front and uh, have great pit stops. Don't make mistakes. and, and, And you should be around at the end. Steve, what do you got on Justin Allgaier, and, and then we'll uh, we'll get on uh, on over here to the ne- next driver of Justin Haley. But what are, what are your thoughts on Justin Allgaier? Yeah, I think uh, Tony makes a point that you know it has been a kind of a rough and tumble you know into Justin Allgaier's season. You know these these running back there, twenty fifth, twenty seventh, twenty ninth, you know stuff like that. You know it's just not going to show the consistency that you need to continue. You know, and especially this weekend. You know, you're not, you're not going to be able to you're not going to be able to have the mistakes. You're not going to be able to, uh, you know, think that you're going to run tenth or fifteenth or, or or even eighth or ninth. I think that's just not enough. You've got to go out there and you got to be competing for the win all day long, right from the get go. And uh, you know, minimizing minimizing mistakes, minimizing uh, you know, staying out of other people's problems, and you know, again, you know, working working with your teammates. Tire wear is going to be an issue. Uh, throughout the day, uh, you know, somebody like Justin Augar that uh, has, you know, been on this track on, you know, almost two dozen different occasions over different um, different cars uh, over the years, uh, it really gives him uh, an advantage to that. And, uh, but, you know, you also, uh, you know, when we do start talking about Chase Briscoe, Austin Sendrick, it's, uh, I mean, Chase Briscoe, and I mean, you know, he's a, He's a guy that I think, you know, could go out there and, you know, do the same thing but uh, and conserve tire wear. But, you know, I think it really just comes down to, you know, uh, between tire wear and just, you know, just not making mistakes. And, you know, just Stalgar, again, just cannot run eighth or ninth or, or, and, and win the championship. It just It's just not going to happen anymore in this day and age. See, we look at Justin Ailey. I mean, he could stun the field in the Xfinity Series uh, 2020 finale. He's been strong. I mean, he won in Talladega. Uh, talk with us about Justin Haley and what's he got to do to get it done uh, there in Phoenix in, in the in the finale. Oh, well, yeah. I mean, just, oh, just yeah, – uh, I'm sorry. I probably said Tony. I apologize. 
I, I, I can't speak. Steve, we'll go to you, to Justin Haley, and then we'll go to you, Tony. Sorry about that. <laughs> My fault. Well, I mean, if you look at Justin Haley, Justin Haley has uh, uh, he he's been a driver that I mean he's won three times this year already. But when you go back and look at the fact that he did win at Talladega, don't also forget the fact that he pulled out that total upset in the Cup Series last year. Um, you know, granted that it, the racing and down the rain, but you know he he seems to be a driver that is. Um, you know, figuring out these super speedways, but you know, overall, in the last couple of races himself, I mean, he he's had problems. He's crashed out, and he's run. You know, he's run outside the top ten on at least several different occasions. So, uh, while while he, you know, you do have to go back to Talladega and look at that win. He does have uh, two top ten finishes, and um, in Texas and uh, the week prior to that. So, um. You know, for him, uh, it, it, I, I think college racing as a whole is getting better and they continue to get better. And they're bringing in drivers like uh, A.J. Allmendinger and Ross Chastain and stuff like that has made the program better. And I think that's that's now showing for Justin Haley. But at the same time, uh, I think Justin Haley sometimes can be a fluke. And he, he got here on that fluke. And, uh, you know, just, just the same way that he won the, the Daytona race in the Cup Series back in 2019. So, um you know, I, 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 I just think I just think that for him, I think he'll be a non-factor today. Uh, and if he is, if he is a factor, I think that his factoring in will will be in you know the bottom half of the top ten for sure. Tony, uh, Tony D, Tony uh, Tony Donahue with the Tony D podcast. What can Justin Haley do today, if anything, uh, in the 2020 finale? Yeah, I agree with Steve for the most part. I mean, it, I don't want to say flash in the pan, but Justin Haley has proven that he's great on the super speedway, the restrictor play races, and, and that's an effort that college racing makes. To, you know, they sit down, Justin Algaier, Ross Chastain, A.J. Allmendinger before these races and says, one of you three needs to end up in victory circle. I believe they were one, two, three over the summer, and then there was a penalty. Um, but anyway, here, here's why I don't exactly count him out. He was fifth at Phoenix earlier in the season. In the doubleheader at Richmond a few months back, he was second and sixth. Um, you look at some of his short track performances, and, and Phoenix has a little bit of a mix of it's got some speed, but it's got some short track feel to it. There's really not a track on the circuit that's like it. Um, but, but he has ran well on some of the, on, on some of the shorter tracks with success uh, top five at Phoenix and Richmond. Um, I, I'm not going to count him out. I think he's probably the fourth favorite of the four, yes. Um, but, again, if you can be there inside of that top ten late and you've got the choose rule and you possibly have, you know, can you come in? He, he's the type of guy, like Steve said, he's going to be probably in the lower part of the top ten, maybe tenth or eleventh. But is he a guy that can get that yellow late, get tires and nobody else does, and move his way up towards the front? So uh, I'm not going to count him out, but he certainly is probably fourth on the list of the four drivers that I think have the best chance. All right, let's move on over to the Cup Series. And we'll start with you, Tony. As you mentioned, this with Kevin Harvick uh, last week, and really he's out of, he's out of the Final Four. He's out of it. Um, I, I, I really was disappointed on how all that came down. Uh, and I, I, don't, I don't know. If, if you're Kevin Harvick, are you mad at yourself or are you mad at another driver? Well, I mean, he did everything he could. We saw in that last lap trying to wreck Kyle Busch to get there, um, and you've got to win to get in. And NASCAR has set up this playoff format to 
you have to perform when it counts. Just like every other sport that has a playoff system, you have to perform in the playoffs when it counts. The regular season you know, NFC winner and AFC winner don't automatically get to go to the championship. The number one seed in the NBA and the West or the East doesn't automatically get to go to the championship. You have to perform when it counts in the playoffs, and this is the system that NASCAR has made. This is the system for drama that NASCAR has wanted, and that's what they got. They got their best driver all season eliminated because he had a bad race, had this 300 laps coming back from two laps down, finally got back on the lead lap. But when Chase Briscoe wins the race, that takes a spot away automatically. Joey Logano has already won a race. That takes a spot away automatically. And it was down to Keselowski, Logano, and Harvick. And Keselowski, or, you know, and, or, and Denny Hamlin. And Denny's had a really good year all year as well. And he did what he needed to do by, what, one point? Um, yes, there was some there was some team tactics there for Joe Gibbs Racing, but that's why you have teammates. That's why you know y- you have multiple cars on your stable. That's why you don't see one car efforts anymore. And if you do, you don't see them performing as well as the other teams. So I'm not mad about what happened. I don't think Kevin Harvick can be mad at anybody except for himself, knowing that it, you know the wheel was in his hands to get things done. And it didn't happen. So this is the system NASCAR wanted. This is what they wanted was the drama down the stretch. Um, Unfortunately, it bucked Kevin Harvick and the best driver that they had all season. But I think we've got four capable drivers going after it tomorrow. Yeah, and for time's sake, we're going to have to summarize it all together in one lump lump sum there. Uh, But, Steve, you got Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Bradley Kolowski. I don't know why I can't talk today. Denny Hamlin all round out the top four. As we mentioned, Kevin Harvick basically uh, pushed himself out. What are your thoughts on the final four there, Steve? Well, I think it's a more diverse top four than we've seen in the last couple of years, and it's really been dominated by Joe Gibbs racing in the top top four. I mean, you go back to just last year, you had uh, Trucks and Kyle Busch, you know, just kind of dominating the thing, and it came down to Kyle Busch at the very end. But, you know, uh, now that you've got a more diverse set of drivers out there, you know, uh, you know I'm I, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to have to go with Chase Elliott this weekend. I mean, he's he's been he's – been, uh, you have to go back – well, I mean, he, he finished, what, 20th um, back in Texas, but prior to that, I mean, you have to go back uh, about four or five weeks or something like that to see him outside of the outside of the top ten. And uh, he, he's he's gotten two two wins over the last couple couple of weeks. And, uh, you know, I just I just think that, you know, right now he's hitting his stride and he's going to be the one that we're going to have to beat. Uh, I go back also to Phoenix earlier this year. He won Phoenix earlier this year. So, um uh, yeah, don't count him out, and I think I'm just going to look to him on, on tomorrow afternoon. Well, I'm going to be riding the Chase Elliott train all the way through. I like him. I've liked him for a long time, and it's uh, we said a long time ago when he first jumped in the car uh, after Jeff Gordon got out that this kid was somebody that has a future, and I still believe it. I think this is the year for a championship. Uh, t- uh, Tony, what are your thoughts is it between Joey Logano, Chase Elliott, Brad Kolosky, and Denny Hamlin? Yeah, I mean, I'm always going to cheer for somebody who's going to win possibly their first championship, so that eliminates Brad Keselowski and eliminates Joey Logano for me. Um, I like Chase Briscoe. I hope he does win. I'll be cheering hard for him, but I, I think tomorrow is Denny Hamlin's day. I think Denny's had a great 2020, obviously going to start a new um, team next year to field Bubba Wallace alongside Michael Jordan, and I just think that tomorrow is the day that Denny Hamlin gets it done. Um, I'm not saying that he's going to win the race, but I think he will finish higher than the other three drivers finish up in the top three and, uh, the FedEx Camry will be celebrating, uh, his first NASCAR cup championship tomorrow. 
Steve, we're going to give the final word to you, and then uh, we got to move on over to the NFL talk. Uh, but, uh, Steve, any final words of, of wisdom? And do you know who's going to be the next president of the United States next week? <laughs> will we know, I should say. Will no. we know? Yeah. Uh, will we know? I don't I, I don't know. I mean, at this point, flip a coin and, you know, pick somebody. I don't, I don't know. Yeah. Yeah. I'm ready to just get it over with, one way or the other. I mean – we got to live four years with whoever it is, whether or not it's the guy you voted for or, or, or not. Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest. Where can people find your work in Masterpieces, sir? You can follow us at Speedway Digest on Twitter, Facebook.com slash Speedway Digest and SpeedwayDigest.com. And Tony, you're thank you, Steve, uh, so much for, for hanging, hanging out with us and talking racing. We're going to have a champion next week or the week after, and we'll see, see what goes on. Uh, so make sure you have yourself a good week, sir. All right. Thanks a lot. Take care. Tony, uh, you're going to stick around for some NFL talk? Um, I can briefly, yes. Okay. Do we, what do we know about the Colts? And we'll get into that here in just a minute, but they are still playing. It didn't get postponed or anything like that, did it? We'll be right back right here on the Balance Radio Network. We're uh, waiting to join uh, Ed Kraft's stories. We're going to get into NFL talk right here on the Balance Radio Network. Midnight tea top jack and her cherry coke pen. Mama and daddy put the roots right here, cause this is where the car broke down. Yellow dog school bus, kicking up red bus, kicking us up by a barbed wire fin. MTV on the RCA, no air. The Air National Guard is a reserve component of the United States Air Force and serves alongside active duty Air Force members in times of a national crisis. In addition, the Air Guard serves the state and local community in a wide range of capacities. The reason people join the Air Guard is as diverse as our members and includes such reasons as a deep desire to serve their country, money for college, travel, new job skills, and the pride that goes along with belonging to the greatest military organization in the world. I joined because I felt a calling to serve my country, but I didn't want to be far away from my family, so the Indiana Air National Guard was a perfect fit for me. With over 95 different career opportunities to choose from and 100% paid college tuition to any state-funded college, why not give us a call? Call 1-800-841-3103 or visit online at goang.com to find out more. Again, that's 1-800-841-3103. The Air National Guard, guarding America, defending freedom. I've been playing four on four with a barber shark quartet. Nah, I can't believe how easy it was to save hundreds of dollars on my car insurance with Geico. Yeah. Believe it, Geico could save you fifteen percent or more on car insurance. This is not embarrassing. My blood is clotting. Clotting. Never ever evict your parents, okay? 
<laughs> so I run through the maze, and then I find there's some guy named Queese. Queese? Boring man. Gremlin T. Squeerfish. Minus opposite. Janitor Snoutlet. Dirt stick. Nothing else. No. They got b- Saturday, uh, Steve Wilson of Speedway Digest, our official NASCAR contributor, and Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast, uh, joins us uh, to break down the final 2020 finale uh, before we get into the championship race uh, with NASCAR. And Tony's sticking around with us for, well, for a few minutes to talk some NFL with us, but joining us on his bye week is Mr. Ed Kratz uh, from the from the beaches of, of uh, Philly or Jersey. Uh, how are you doing, Ed? How are you, sir? Uh, actually, I'm doing well, Tom. Thank you. It's the beaches of Maryland. I'm uh, in my condo I'm here in uh, Ocean. Yep, my my oceanfront condo so here in Ocean City, Maryland. So if you hear the roar of the Atlantic in the background, um, I, and the seagulls squawking in the distance, that's that's what that's why. I love it, dude. I tell you what, I I, I thought so for some reason, I just assumed but where you were at. But Maryland, it's fun. I'll take the ocean anytime, especially in the crazy world that we're in uh, now. We appreciate yeah. you joining us, Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles and SI.com, our official NFL contributor, Tony Donahue, the Tony D podcast joins us. So guys, we'll start with you, Tony, because I know we got you for just a limited amount of time. Let's play the homer card here. We saw the. Uh, uh, Colts shut down the facility. We're seeing that domino effect again of this uh, monster uh, virus pandemic that we, nobody can seem to get control of. Uh, but it, it looks like there's going to be going on with the game, uh, what you said. So talk with us a little bit about the Colts and the Ravens. I mean, what a win that the Colts got last week. They've got to keep that momentum on. But th- we talked about this uh, last week, Tony. This is where the uh, Colts moment of truth comes. A win today gives them at least a, a, a path. Go ahead, Tony. Yeah, I mean, I think tomorrow's game is going to make or break this football team season. I was really impressed by the win last week to go into Detroit and put up 41 points. On the board, uh, the Lions are, are a team that you could you could either blow them out or they could play you tough. Uh, but you've got the Ravens coming in off their first loss of the season, um, as the, or excuse me, off their second loss of the season as they lose – um, to the Steelers last week who remain undefeated. Um, then the Colts got to go to Tennessee on a short week. They'll put the Titans next Thursday. Then you get the Packers. We saw what the Packers did the other night, how hot they've been. Uh, the only blemish on the radar so far has been that loss at Tampa Bay. Uh, and then you get Tennessee back here. So um, a very tough schedule coming up over the next couple of weeks for the Colts. And I think that this game can make or break uh, how they set up the rest of their season. I, I don't have them winning tomorrow. I have them falling to 5-3. and three. Um, but also the Titans, you know, helped out the Colts last week by losing to the Bengals. The Texans and Jaguars aren't going to be a factor. So this division for the Colts could come down to whether or not they can win at Tennessee next Thursday on Thursday night football. And then uh, two weeks from then play Tennessee again back here in Indy. That's what the season could come down to. Uh, But the Colts have a very tough schedule ahead of them. Uh, Not only do they end up playing multiple teams that are in the playoff hunt, including the Raiders, the Titans, 
you know, you, you look at you look at that last second, the last week of the year, second second or two days after Christmas, you have to go to Pittsburgh to play. So we see how great Pittsburgh has been. Maybe Pittsburgh has a division locked up by then, um, and the number one seed in the playoffs. And they rest some guys and get that by. I don't see that happening just quite yet because I think Kansas City's still going to be in the running, and I think Baltimore will be as well. So very tough schedule coming up for the Colts from pretty much here on out. Yeah, absolutely, and I think every Colts fan is going to be rooting for the Bears this week. It's good to see uh, the Colts tied for first in the AFC South. Uh, Ed, I don't know if you had a chance to watch any football last night. I don't, I don't blame you if you didn't. But you have any thoughts on the Packers' big win over the 49ers? And the Packers keep continuing to prove to us that they're a Super Bowl-worthy team this year. Yeah, um, they, they look good. But, you know, the 49ers were pretty banged up. You know, they were, Nick Mullins is going to be their quarterback, I guess, going forward. And they had a lot of different replacement pieces in there. So, very tough to gauge how big that win is. And kind of like I've been saying all year, I'm not really sure how big a deal it is to go on the road in the NFL when you only have, you know, 5,000 people in the stands in a lot of these stadiums. So, really, uh, the challenges of going on the road are just trying to stay COVID-free and you know, we're seeing more and more teams being impacted by this as the virus continues to, uh, you know, uh, soar, which is really unfortunate. Um, but I think the Packers look good. I mean, I think if you have an environment like Aaron Rodgers is able to play in, a comfortable environment, whether it's home or on the road without the crowd noise, I mean, he's great at, you know, reading defenses and making checks at the line. That makes him even more dangerous without that crowd noise uh, being able to communicate. So, you know, they're a team to reckon with in the NFC for sure. I don't think there's really any team in the NFC that separated itself. I mean, maybe the Seahawks, you know, Tampa Bay looked like, you know, it could be uh, with Antonio Brown being active tomorrow, he could be a factor down the stretch for them. We'll see unless he kind of implodes again. We've seen that before too, but you know, they're, they're certainly in the mix too. So the NFC, there's some teams in there that uh, it really is anybody's race in my opinion, whereas in the AFC, it's kind of the chiefs are still a little bit above everybody else, even though the Steelers are, you know, undefeated still at this point. I still think the Chiefs are better than, than everybody else, and it's really not that close. Yeah, I, I think you're absolutely right about that. Uh, Tony, I, I think you may have to go after this. We'll give you one more game here, and we'll throw it over again over to the AFC South, uh, and that's the Texans and the Jaguars. Uh, big game for both of them, but what are your thoughts and breakdown and preview on the Texans at the road, on the road against the Jaguars? I think the Texans are a team that I think obviously is disappointed uh, throughout this entire start of the season to the first seven games. Um, this could be a battle of who wants to lose more because uh, you're looking for a top three pick in the upcoming draft. Obviously, the Jets and Giants might be in that conversation as well. Um, but, yeah, these are two of the probably the worst teams outside of, I would probably say, the Jets um, in the league. You look up and down. I mean, you look at Minnesota and Atlanta that have only won two games. I don't think that they're horrible teams. I mean, obviously Atlanta has blown some leads. Minnesota, the Kirk Cousins experience just hasn't worked out. They haven't been able to win at home. Um, but between the Giants, the Jets, the Texans, and the and the Jaguars, I mean, that's where your number one pick is going to come from uh, to possibly maybe get a Trevor Lawrence if you're looking for a quarterback. I think Jacksonville is looking for a quarterback. So are the Jets possibly. Uh, I'm not sure if Houston wants to stick with Deshaun Watson or not, but uh, just two crap teams. Uh, Houston hasn't been able to win on the road. Neither has Jacksonville. Um, I mean, I don't know, six to three Texans final. That's, I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
Tony, we appreciate you joining us and talking some racing with us as well. I encourage everybody to go listen to Tony's podcast. We try to get it up on social media as possible. It's, it's, it's really cool. He talks to a lot of cool people, does a lot of good stuff on his podcast. But, Tony, where can people find your podcast and your working masterpieces, sir? Yeah, just check out uh, my Twitter page, Tony D. Indy, or the Tony D. Podcast, wherever you listen to your podcast. Thanks, guys. Have a great weekend. Thanks, Good Tony. Time. Tony Donahue with the Tony D. Podcast. Great podcast, Ed, if you've not listened to it. He covers a, a wide range of, of things from betting to football to racing just sports in general, and he, he, he gets some good interviews, and so check it out when you get a chance to, 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 to do that. And I can hear the ocean. I'm officially jealous. <laughs> <laughs> Great, man. On my, ba- on, my, on my balcony here looking out over it, and it's a beach day, Tom. I, here we are in November, and uh, it's probably about 70 degrees here, which is crazy. Yeah, so it was about the same way here yesterday as well. Well, we'll try to go yeah. through these games here and, and let you get back to your, to your bye week, and I know you enjoy your beach uh, time. Let's talk a little bit about the Giants and the Washington football team. I don't know which one of these teams are a real deal to talk about because every time we, we think, whoa, Washington did that, whoa, the Giants did that, it seems to on paper to be a good matchup for Washington. What are your thoughts on Giants on the road for the Washington football team? Well, I, I think Washington, if they had a quarterback, they'd actually be pretty good. I, I, I like how they drafted. I really like their defense. You know, they, they might have the defensive rookie of the year and Chase Young. Um, but Kyle Allen, to me, is, you know, just kind of a pedestrian quarterback. So I would expect, you know, like Tony said, you know, Trevor Lawrence won't probably be available to Washington if he comes out from Clemson. There's no guarantee he'll do that. But I think they'll take a quarterback in the first round that, one they like, um, you know, Dwayne Haskins, clearly they've moved on from him. But if they had a quarterback, they'd be pretty good. And New York, I think, you know, Daniel Jones really had a very bad game in primetime uh, in their most recent game. Did not look good, did not take care of the ball. Um, the Giants have to figure out if he's going to be the guy going forward because Joe Judge, to me, is, I think he's going to be a pretty good head coach in this league. And I think if they can get a quarterback, too, they could make noise. But right now where they stand – um, two teams trying to win, you know, trying to win. I guess Washington's trying to win its third game. And, you know, they could still be a force in this NFC East. I mean, everybody thinks it'll be the Eagles winning it. But, you know, Washington's already beaten the Eagles in the opener. Uh, and, you know, they have that good defense. And you can win some games with a good defense. So Washington, to me, probably will win this game. Uh, and they could still be a factor in the NFC East. It wouldn't surprise me if Washington wins the NFC East, to be honest. So uh, this is a game they have to take care of. Uh, and I think they will. I think it'll be close, but I think they'll find a way uh, to get the job done. So, so what you're saying, there is a way to win in Washington. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I, well, I'm, I'm thinking there might be a way to win. I, I don't know. I, I can't say for sure, but, uh, yeah. Crazy week. So uh, you heard yeah. Tony talk a little bit about the Ravens and the Colts, and certainly I, I, I don't disagree with him at all. This is going to be a hard matchup for the Colts. I still, I guess, I'm, I, I believe blue, and you know, it's at home, and I, I'm just happy with what Philip Rivers has been able to do. I'm also unhappy with some of the things that Philip Rivers has done, but we knew what he was when we got him, and at this point, I think he's not did anything to prove to us that he's going to be anything more than a, a one-year guy. But I do like, I just, you know, because the Colts are home. Now, I'm, I'm not saying that this is going to be an easy win. The Ravens are a very, very tough team. But I just think that if we can find a way to to beat the Ravens, 
I think that's just a huge, huge thing. And it might just be me wishful thinking being a blue guy, but uh, the Ravens at the Colts, do you have any thoughts on that? Yeah, I mean, that's a great game. Uh, I've seen the Ravens this year. They came to Philadelphia uh, to play the Eagles, and the Eagles played them tough. Uh, you know, they came within a two-point conversion of tying the game in the last two minutes and possibly sending it into overtime. They ended up, the Eagles did, losing by two points, 30-28. to 28. Um, But, you know, like everything with that team, it starts with Lamar Jackson on offense, and he hasn't really proven to be that kind of pocket passer they hoped that he would be. Uh, but he's so dangerous with his legs. You're really going to have to find a way to contain him, whether you use somebody to spy on him, maybe Darius Leonard. I don't, I don't know what, you know, what the game plan would be for Indy, but you know, they, that's where it starts and ends with, with Lamar Jackson. So the Eagles couldn't contain him in the run game. They did, did a good job against the pass game, but he had over a hundred yards rushing against Philadelphia. He had a, a 39 yard touchdown run. I mean, you, you can't have that if you're going to beat the Ravens and, one thing I'll say about Baltimore is, man, they are physical. They might be the most physical team in the AFC, uh, in my opinion. They're, they're going to beat you up. And the Eagles came out of that with some pretty significant injuries. Um, and that's what you hope doesn't happen with the Colts, is you hope that they can, you know, match the physicality and stay healthy uh, against the Ravens defense that's just going to hit you and punish you. I think they might be without Marlon Humphrey, though, their, their cornerback, Baltimore, because of the COVID. And that's a big loss. You know, he's one of their better defenders. So you might be able to exploit exploit that if you're Phillip Rivers and, and the Indy offense. What about the Lions and the, at the Vikings? Uh, the Lions are on the road against the Vikings, and the Lions have proved they've been able to get some wins. They've actually had a, a, a somewhat of, a, of a, a decent start, but if you're talking to Rick Riggin, he's uh, ready to fire uh, the bearded pencil man and move on to somebody else. But I don't think that's going to happen. I think he's, he's going to be able to stick around uh, at least another year or so. Yeah, maybe. I don't know about all that, but uh, their defense isn't very good. And Matt Patricia is a, a defensive guy. I mean, they're giving up, I think, close to 30 points a game, and their their run defense is, is pretty bad. I think they're, you know, in the sense for giving up the most yards on the ground, I think they're giving up 130. And that's kind of tailor-made for the Vikings with uh, Dalvin Cook, um, you know, kind of breaking free a little bit in these last couple games. And the Lions are going to have their hands full, I think, trying to stop stop Cook uh, and, you know, keep that offense out of the end zone, the Minnesota Vikings. They came off that big win against the, uh, somebody pretty good a couple of wizards. The Packers maybe? Or did they beat – Vikings beat somebody. Yeah, I think it was pretty well, good. Well, it was Packers. I think you are right about that because it was kind yeah, of like yeah. the soccer. <laughs> yeah, right. So, you know, uh, that that's a big win. And, I, I like – Tony said earlier, I'm not sure they're good enough to, you know, make a run here at two and six, but I think they're certainly good enough to beat the Lions given the state of that defense uh, and and being able to stop the run. Or not being so able game, to stop the run, I should say. Yeah. So a, lot, a game that a lot of every Colts fan is going to be watching and paying attention to. Again, like I said, we're, we're tied for first in the AFC South. A, a win against the Ravens would only – uh, make it a little bit more solid, and a win for the Bears would solidify that as a as a sole leader in the AFC South. Uh, so this is a big game, not only for the Bears, <laughs> but for the Colts fans. And you won't find the Colts fans rooting for the Bears very often, but they definitely will be tomorrow. Uh, yeah, uh, the Bears to me, I don't know. They're just their offensive firepower isn't. Uh, what I think they hoped it would when they put Nick Foles in the lineup. They're really challenged to score points, and that's 
that's kind of surprising with Matt Nagy. But you're and you're playing a team that uh, the Titans, who I think have lost two in a row, uh, that it's going to be looking to kind of get back on the you know the winning column in their home stadium. Um, but you know that that bears offense to me is just you know they when, when they get in the red zone they can't you know they can't seem to get touchdowns and their third down offense isn't very good. Um, so, you know, I think the Titans should win that game, although you can go ahead and root for the Bears. I think it'll be close, but I just don't I just don't see it happen. I think Derrick Henry, again, controls the game, and Tennessee finds a way to get back into the win column here. Don't mess with my QG, Ed. <laughs> I know. I, I, hate, I hate to say it. You know, but, I, I, look, I like Nick Foles. You know, he's a good guy. Yeah. Uh, you know, got a chance to know him when he was in Philadelphia here, and, you know, I always root for him. So, you know, let's go Bears. well the panthers and the Chiefs. obviously the panthers are my granddaughter's team so always got to root for the panthers but in all reality of of things here the chiefs are a very solid team patrick mahomes is his way to another super bowl victory if not this year in the very coming years in the near future uh panthers are on the road in kansas city yeah i think well i think carolina's getting mccaffrey back today i don't know uh you know how much yeah, but I don't know how healthy he'll be, but, you know, just having him on the field is going to help. Uh, but you're going to have to find a way to score against the Chiefs because they're hard to, you know, keep under, you know, four touchdowns every game. And, uh, you know, again, I don't know if the if the Panthers have that. I like Teddy Bridgewater. I think he's having a pretty good year. Um, I think the Panthers have kind of already exceeded expectations a little bit uh, on how they're playing. You know, Matt Rule's going to probably turn that thing around eventually, but this is a big, big task. Uh, to have Carolina go into Arrowhead and uh, find a way to beat a Chiefs team that, to me, is the best team in the NFL. So, again, going and talking about this COVID, it's just finding its way into every little organization, through every little nook and cranny that they can get into. Broncos aren't uh, isolated to that as they as well experienced that. There was even talk about the Broncos-Falcons being postponed. That did not happen. But there again, they did not have, have healthy practices, and so the Broncos, uh, yet another team that fall victim to to uh, COVID nineteen. Yeah, right. John Elway got COVID, I think. You know, right, right there in the front office. You know, on down, they're they're hit with it, and you know, this is just going to be the reality of the NFL. I, you know, I don't I don't think it's going to get any better as we head into you know November and December. This this COVID stuff, I think it's probably going to get worse. I think we've seen it get worse across the nation. You know, there were over a hundred thousand cases uh, every day now. I mean, uh, so you wonder how the NFL is going to handle it. You hope we can get all uh, 17 weeks of the season in, but uh, it's going to be tricky. It really is. You know, teams now have already had bye weeks, so it's going to be difficult to reschedule. And if you have something that uh, they can't play through, like they seem intent on doing, then, then what are they going to do? Are they going to add a week at the end of the season or, or what's going to happen? But, um, you know, it's pretty it's pretty alarming if you ask me that this virus is still out there and has nobody's been able to get a get a handle on it. Uh, you know, maybe we will here in the next few months, but who knows? Hopefully, there's a vaccine or or something that comes out. But right now, it's it's going to be it's an issue and it's going to continue to be an issue. Well, one thing for the Broncos, it's the only team so far this year that I've been able to watch with snow on the ground. So, you know, snow in <laughs> <laughs> But I can tell you yeah. one game will not, not have snow at all, and that's the Raiders at the Chargers. Or either which way, if it was the Chargers at the Raiders or the Raiders at the Chargers, there'll be no snow at that game. But Raiders are on the road against the Chargers. 
<laughs> I love those snow games. Yeah, that was great. You watch, yeah. you know, Denver Denver could be 0 and 15, and they could be playing a, in a blizzard, and you're going to watch. Um, but yeah, if we have snow in LA this weekend, then then we're in trouble. But uh, yeah, there won't be any snow. Uh, and that's a good game. I mean, the Chargers are, you know, they just keep giving up late leads and can't find a way to win. And, you know, the Raiders are kind of up and down, inconsistent. They look, you know, a couple weeks in a row, they look really good, and then they don't look real good. So very inconsistent for the Raiders. But, you know, look, there's still a half a season for them to kind of figure this out. And, you know, the Chargers are just one of those snake bit teams that you hope finds a way to win. Uh, a game late, but I, you know, I, I don't know. I don't see it happening. I think this is going to be a really another close game, but I think in the end, the Chargers will find a way to blow it again and the Raiders will, will find a way to win. You know, Nelson Aguilar, a former Eagles doing pretty well out there in Las Vegas, uh, catching yeah. touchdown passes and, and catching the ball actually. So it's not, he needed to change the scenery. You know, he wouldn't have done that in Philadelphia. It was time to move on. And it's always nice to see, I mean, Nelly's a pretty, you know, pretty decent guy, and it's nice to see him having some success with his uh, with with a change of scenery. So, a couple more games here that I feel like have some major impact. This is Steelers and Cowboys. Steelers are the real deal. There's another AFC team that that you have to contend with, and it very well might be that the Super Bowl goes through Kansas City or the Steelers. Steelers are on the road against the Cowboys. Yeah, and the Steelers did a good job. You know. Uh, winning that game against Baltimore, although the Ravens really, they put up a lot of yards on the ground, you know, and I think the Steelers are kind of fortunate to win that game. It's going to, going to excuse me, it's going to be interesting to see that rematch. Uh, I think that's coming up in a week or two, a couple of weeks maybe. Um, but that was a really good game. That was a really entertaining game, that Steelers-Ravens game. I was able to see some of it. The Eagles played at night, so I was able to watch some 1 o'clock uh, games on Sunday. Um and that was one I watched, and that was a really good game. But, yeah, I, I think the Steelers, the Cowboys to me, I mean, my goodness, they're terrible. Uh, and, and, boy, what a surprise that is. Everybody at the beginning of the year thought they'd be pretty good. And you could yep. say, well, they lost Dak Prescott, but even with Dak, they weren't really playing that well. Uh, their defense was getting torched. Um, but maybe they found a little bit in their defense against the Eagles. I mean, the Eagles offense only put up 15 points against them. You know, they got the late fumble return for a touchdown, 53 yards from Rodney McLeod uh, to put that game out of reach against Dallas last Sunday night. But uh, maybe they found something in their defense. I think it was more a case of Carson Wentz just being awful with four turnovers than it was anything that the Cowboys defense did. Uh, You know, I just think the Steelers, unless they kind of take this game for granted or coming off that, you know, very physical game against Baltimore, maybe that expended a lot of their energy. I wouldn't expect the Steelers to be on their A game uh, on Sunday against the Cowboys, but I don't think they need their A game to beat Dallas. They could they could play a C game and and still win by two touchdowns. So I, I don't see any hope for Dallas in this game. And the late game tomorrow, I mean, obviously two powerhouse quarterbacks, uh, Drew Brees in the Saints and Tom Brady in the Buccaneers. Uh, the Saints are on the road against the Buccaneers. This should has all the markings of being a really good game. Yeah, the night game Sunday night. Uh, so that, that'll be a good primetime audience. And, you know, these, these primetime games have been doing really big ratings, uh, by the way. Um, mm-hmm. You know, that Packers 49ers game was a huge draw on Thursday night ratings-wise. So I expect this one will be will be pretty good, too. Uh, the Saints, these teams played earlier in the year, and the Saints found a way to win. It was at the Superdome. Um, and now they're going over to Tampa now. Uh, you know, I've been watching Drew Brees, and I, he's just not the same. He doesn't have that arm strength that he used to have. And, he doesn't look like the same quarterback, obviously, and he's 42 years old, I think. So, 
Um, I'm not sure how much he has left to go deep, but having Michael Thomas back, I think, will help him for sure. Uh, and Emmanuel Sanders, who sat out last week. Uh, so maybe they can make some, some things happen there. But, you know, this is the last year for Drew Brees, and whether you like him or you don't, you should enjoy, you know, enjoy him anyway, um, just because this is his last year. And to me, he doesn't look the same. And two old quarterbacks, right? Tom Brady, 43, <laughs> Brees, 42. And, and they That's might right. be two of the best teams in the NFC. So uh, yeah. I'm, I'm looking forward to this game. Should be a should be a good game um, down there in Tampa. Congrats, beat writer for Philadelphia Eagles and FA.com, our official NFL contributor. One crucial question for you, Ed. Who's going – or I don't need a who. Will we know who will be the next president of the United States by the time our show happens next week? You don't have to uh, give me a we already, Well, I, I think we already know, though. I mean, I, you know, I think we already have the answer to that. Uh, so I'm going to say yes. We, we will know. I think we already do, but. I, I think that you're, you're you. I think that there's that, that conversation that's being had. But what I will say is, I think this is closer race than I've seen in presidential history, and I follow it quite extensively. Whether whether or not you're a Democrat or Republican, and the fact is that you have both parties. Really, it just shows you the the, the polarization of our country, and it's there's a there's no more independent stuff anymore. It just that's really what's aggravating this. You can like one thing, not like another. It's like you've got to pick, draw the line in the sand, and you've got to pick your guy. And the, and the problem is, we don't know. We're not behind the scenes, but you've got one one uh, team camp ca- calling foul crazy, which for just cause. So we're going to see a lot of recounts. We're going to see things in the court system, and this is going to be decided like any other presidential election we've ever had. But, you know, the good thing about it is hopefully we can get to a point where politics and sports aren't in a head-on collision. That's what I say. So uh, whoever wins, we're going to have to deal with yeah. it for four years, whether or not you voted for the guy or not. Uh, you're going to have to deal with four years of, of, of whatever's going on. And we need to get back to some sort of normalcy. And I think sports can allow that to happen. But I do think whichever party wins, they they have got to make an aggressive stand on this on this virus, but it's not just the United States. It's not a political thing. I mean, England has closed their borders. You know, Canada's closed their borders. Mexico's closed their borders. With that, I'll jump off my soapbox, sir, and let you get back to the salt water of the North Atlantic. <laughs> yeah, it's gonna be uh, uh, it's gonna be a great beach day, man. Wish you were here. Yeah, uh, where can people find your work in masterpieces, sir? Uh, yeah, on Twitter at Kratzy, K-R-A-C-Z-E, and uh, that's where I put all my story links and stuff. Although, haven't done a lot of work these last few days down here uh, seaside, so uh, you know, not a whole lot out there right now. But there will be next week. Back back into the back to the salt mines, if you will, next week when the Eagles return and they uh, travel to New York to play the Giants. All right, Ed, we appreciate you. Have yourself a good weekend. You too, Tom. See ya. Yeah. Ed Kratz, beat writer for the Philadelphia Eagles, taking some time off of his bye week with the Eagles to join us and, and talk with us a, a, li- a little bit about uh, the NFL and, you know, just this whole virus that just, just uh, got our our world in um, total collapse. 
My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. Remember to, to uh, download the podcast wherever your po- uh, you might get your podcast. Tune in, Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, uh, what have you. You can find us uh, out there. Also, uh, remember to follow us on Twitter and at T-Balance and uh, Facebook on the balance. I'll tell you what, I'm, I'm brain farted uh, to, today. My name is Tom Marcos, El Presidente. I'm out of here. Don't drink and drive. It isn't cool. Deuces. Join us next week for The Balance. In the meantime, check us out on Twitter, T-Balance, or Facebook, The Balance, or online at www.thebalanceonline.com.